Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha.
That's right. Clap on and be happy today because that's what this show is all about, news and motivation. Welcome to all to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. And on with me today is Megan Stylinski, and she is the author of Who Am I? How My Daughter Taught Me to Let Go and Live Again. It's about her journey into postpartum depression and anxiety disorder, panic attacks, where she stayed in the psych ward. She went through divorce, domestic violence, law school, how she managed to graduate from law school and have a beautiful little girl who emerged from all of this chaos. And it will be released by Black Opal Books on August the 2nd, so definitely tune in for that, and I hope everybody is fiending to get it. But here with me, without further ado, is Megan Selinski. Megan, welcome to the show. I'm glad that you're here with us. Hi, I'm so glad to be on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Right, and this this is an inspiring book. It's it's a memoir, and I have a I have I have had a few authors on who have memoirs, and mm-hmm. I love those because it's actually your own story. Nobody can take that away from you. If the audience right. or you don't mind, I would love to read an excerpt from the book. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been I've been crying in bed all morning. Not that unusual from any other day during the summer of 2011. I have no idea where my daughter is. My mom is probably taking care of her again. Good, I think to myself. She deserves better than me as her mother anyway. My dad is in my room desperately trying to call my therapist. We're get, going to get you help, he tells me as he's my hair. It's okay. No, it's not. It's not okay. Nothing is okay. I am not okay. I want to die. I should die. It will be my gift to everyone. It will be my gift to myself. My dad is talking to my therapist on the phone. She is upset. She keeps crying. We can't say or do anything to help her calm her down. No one can help me. I am beyond help. I see my dad nodding as he listens to my therapist. Okay, okay, we're leaving right now. I start yelling, I don't want to go back to the hospital. I don't belong there. I can't go there again. My dad sits on the bed holding my hand. It's okay, Maggie. He repeats, using my childhood nickname. That just makes me cry even harder. I'm not Maggie anymore. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Who am I? I love it. I do. It's almost <laughs> like a. It's almost like you're about you. to put on a performance. It is. But yeah. what I would like to know what is the inspiration behind this? Why write this memoir? Because this takes a lot of courage to actually put all your private parts onto the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wanted to write it because I felt that there were two very important messages that I wanted to get out to everybody through my book. And the first one is um, the stigma of postpartum. And, I, you know, I stayed in the hospital for it a couple times in the mental health ward. I had never been somewhere like that before. And I was really scared the first time I went there. I really thought there was something wrong with me. And there was nothing wrong with me. I mean, I had postpartum depression. And, you know, a lot of women get that. And a lot of women feel that, you know, they should be embarrassed or they shouldn't seek treatment. And, you know, that's not right. It's not fair to women that are going through that, that, you know what, there, there is help out there, and you shouldn't be ashamed to get that help if you need it. And then the second um, issue definitely is domestic violence and, um, you know, with an emotionally abusive partner because we always hear about physically abusive, 
but we don't really hear that much about emotionally abusive, which can be just as traumatic as physical physical abuse as domestic violence. Right. And a lot of women don't mm-hmm. even know that they're actually going through domestic violence because they've been brainwashed, and the guy has the tendency to do that. He tell you no mm-hmm. one else wants you. Oh, you're not wanted by mm-hmm. your family. He isolates you from everyone else. So, because one of my guests made me understand that. I thought, I said, why mm-hmm. don't, how come women can't get out of this situation? She says, not that they don't want to get out of it. It's that sometimes the man brainwashes them to that point. They don't have a mind of their yeah. own to think. Megan, what is the first? Yeah. What was the first sign to the domestic abuse for you? You know, um, I knew before I married my ex-husband that he had some anger issues, but I just thought, okay, well, he gets you know angry really fast, and we can go to therapy and we can work on that. And you know, I always tell people because people have asked me the same thing. They're like, well, when did you really clue into it? And Technisha, I am going to applaud exactly what you said because women don't know that they're in it until someone can tell them. And I applaud that that you realize that because not a lot of people realize that I didn't know. And I tell people that, you know, I was in law school and I was actually interning with a prosecutor's office in their special mm-hmm. victims unit. And so during the day, I was working with special victims and, you know, helping them testify against their abusers. And after that, I'd go on home to my own abuser and had no idea. And I finally, you know, was, it was, when I was in the hospital the first time and I had 10 strangers look at me and say, you're in an emotionally abusive relationship and you need to get the heck out of there. Right. So, it, yeah, and it just, I mean, it shocked me. I thought, no, no, I'm not, no way, yeah. I was right in the middle of it and had no idea. Tell you, God saved you to save other women. He rescued you to rescue (laughs) other women. God has a purpose for all of us, and he takes us out of a certain Mm -hmm. situation in order to help others, and that's what he did with you, Megan. I bless you to keep continuing on with this. But as we said, a lot of women don't, and some stays in it. Some do have the realization that they're in it, but you're afraid that you might be mm-hmm. killed. I, when I was growing up, I stayed next to a young girl, and her mother would get beat. i never forget when the father actually took one, the um, what's that on the car, the tire part of the car, mm-hmm. and he beat her with it so badly, knocked Ugh. her eye. She had to go get a false eye. and they were, Oh, oh my boy. gosh. And, and you try to explain, because even my husband's stepdaughter, she's in one, mm-hmm. and we go from the verbal abuse to the physical. I've never actually been in one. Maybe probably just mm-hmm. verbal, you know. Even when a guy calls you out your name, that's verbal. And no one should, no woman should be called out their name. No, you're not going to treat right. me. Because one thing, one thing I always learned, my mother raised me. I don't need you to raise me. My father passed on. I don't need another father. If, I, if you feel mm-hmm. that you've got to raise me, then we don't need this relationship together. But I'm thankful that right. you were able to overcome that cycle. What are you doing now, Megan, to really stop that mm-hmm. cycle to go on to your daughter? Because, you know, they say sometimes you got to stop yeah. the cycle with ourselves. Yeah, you know what? I, um, as, you, as you said, God has a purpose for, for all of us. And right. Madeline brought, God brought Madeline to me to enable me and give me the strength to get out of that marriage. Because I got to a point where I had to choose. I'm like, if I stay in this marriage, this little girl 
is going to be so emotionally abused, and I can't do that. So at one point, it's like I had to pitch to my marriage and my daughter, and obviously it wasn't a choice. So I had to leave the marriage, and that's where the cycle ended for me. You know, my ex-husband's grandfather was emotionally abusive. His dad was emotionally abusive. He was emotionally abusive. I was not going to let my daughter around any of those people. The cycle ended when I filed for divorce. I know that's right, and I don't blame mm-hmm. you. Do your daughter now? What relationship does your daughter have with this man who abused you? She does not have any relationship, and oh, good. it's kind of yeah. I mean, in a way, it's sad, but you know, because she doesn't know who he is, and it's not that he hasn't been given the chance. You know, I said from the very beginning, you know, I want her to have a relationship with her father, but he needed to get some help. And it actually, you know, he made it he made it a child custody battle when it shouldn't have been a battle because it was all about him and what he wanted, and he was getting back at me using Madeline to do that. And um, actually it turned, you know, at, during one of her, you know, exchanges that we did, he actually did turn physically violent and put me in a chokehold. And, you know, after that, you know, he was under a PTO. He couldn't see her for a year. And, you know, he remarried, and he just was arrested again for domestic violence against her. So, obviously, Madeline is not going to have anything to do with him. You know, his rights are going to be severed. Um, And when she's 18, she can make the decision if she wants to see him again. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask. When will you... As to tell her about her father, which I think that'll mm-hmm. probably be a good age of 18, laid out on the table. Yeah. So she'll have a mature mind. She could cope it better. Okay, I understand why mommy right. did this, and and hopefully she won't have to go through that. Now, mm-hmm. during the first couple of months, how was the relationship when you first got into after being married? Um. Well, after we were married or when we first met? Because when we first Well, probably met, before, before was, you even got married. How would how would? Yeah. You know, it, it's really, you know, people have read my first chapter because I released my first chapter on my blog, and it shows some of that emotional abuse in the first chapter. And I've had people say, I've read this, and I see this, and why did you stay? Why did you even marry him? Right. And again, I mean, I just thought, like, you know, I loved him. He's just angry. It's okay. I can deal with this. You know, we all have our issues. I was like, oh, I have my anxiety issue. You know, I have anxiety disorder. And then I look back and I think, you know what? He's the one that threw that in my face all the time. He was like, well, you have anxiety disorder. I have anger problems. You know, everyone has problems. So, you know, I thought, oh, okay then. Well, okay, let's get married because I love you and you love me. And we'll try to build a life together. And, you know, it's sad, but, you know, it's like I learned that my ex-husband is uh, very narcissistic. And uh, he doesn't have the capacity, I, I don't think, to love people to because he moves on so fast from one relationship to the next. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, I mean, it, it didn't. It doesn't put me off from ever marrying again. I mean, I I'm open to the idea of it, but you know, I mean, I just uh, I wish he would have gotten help the million times he was offered, and he never was. You know, I mean, he never took it. So. Right, and when the more you was talking just now, I was thinking about the movie Enough with Jennifer Lopez in it, and she had to go through mm-hmm. all that right. ups and downs. And when they first get with you, they don't show them signs. 
And people ask, no. well, why you married this person? Well, I married him because mm-hmm. he didn't come out with a fist in my face. That's why I married him. But no. now I'm in a relationship. I'm seeing this abuse now. So it's not that, oh, I love the abuse. Let me marry him. No, no, ladies. Right. Don't get it wrong. No, that's not what she's yeah. saying. She's saying they don't show you their true side till you get involved because they think that now I'm married to you. Oh, I won't leave you. Honey, I will pack up the bags, mm-hmm. deuces, co-parenting we can do. If you don't want to co-parent, that's fine. But I'm not going to stay around because as a report said, usually children who stay around and they witness that domestic abuse, they become batterers themselves. So I'm glad that Megan yeah. wasn't looking at all that. that that's hurtful. Even mm-hmm. when I argue with my husband, I try not to do it in front of my girls because I don't want them to think, oh, that's what mom and daddy does is argue. So you don't want them to see all them traits. Yeah. Um, right, exactly. And, you know, my right. dad, I, I live with my parents, so, so my dad is a great male role model, you know, and um, she lives in a very calm, a very happy environment. Um, I, you know, I, I try not to yell at her, but sometimes, you know, it's, you know, it's, she has to be disciplined, but I try to discipline with a timeout. You know, it's like it's just, I think about what she might have been if I stayed in the marriage, and it scares me. It scares me a lot. It scares me to think what she would have been like if she had visitation with him. I mean, she would have been a frightened little girl, and uh, I just it's hard to think that way. So she's a, she's a happy little girl, and that's how she needs to stay. <laughs> right, and, uh, and I'm glad that you are angling that to her. Because I tell you, mm-hmm. it's so many, it's so many abused women out here, and they just don't know the answers how to get out of the relationship. What was the first step for you to actually get away from this abuse? It was actually when I went to the hospital for the postpartum. Um, right. You know, I knew like, it's you know, when we brought Madeline home from the hospital, my ex-husband wouldn't even hold her and stopped taking care of her, and it kind of you know, open my eyes a little bit to there's something wrong with this situation. You know, it's like you come home from work and you don't want to hold your newborn baby. There's something going on. And um, so I moved in with my parents when she was only two weeks old because I needed the help. And, you know, it's just it kept going downhill from there. And finally when I went to the hospital and I was actually away from him for about five days, that's all it took was, you know, five days in a hospital with group therapy and one-on-one therapy to finally see that this this wasn't right. This wasn't right at all. I needed to get my daughter and myself out of the situation. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it just you ask your you ask the question to yourself sometimes. Why do men batter women? And we we come over so many of these theories. We some dysfunction, adequate communication skills, provocation by mm-hmm. women. But when you take all that away, it doesn't end the man's violence against women. I think the battery begins and it continues to behave because to me, violence is an effective method for gaining, keeping control over another person. And, and he doesn't right. feel that he got that control if he can't abuse you. So that's why I think some of them love it. I mm-hmm. used to watch the Murray show and women would be on there. They'll be quiet as a mouse. And mm-hmm. you'd be like, really? You really, this man really got you scared to not want to say nothing? Man, please. I, yeah. But it, it's just that, like you said, it's that mind control, and we feel like we'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he wouldn't do me that way. You never know what you would do in the situation. We say that because we're not in that predicament, but we don't know. You'll probably be just as quiet as some women be mm-hmm. on the stage right now because I don't want a man hit me. I never had a man to hit me, so I don't want you to even start. Mm-hmm. 
So are you over it? Are you over it all um, now? I don't think you ever get over it. I Why? think that it you can take it and you can turn it into something positive, which I decided to do by writing my book and getting that message out there. Um, you know, it's like it, it consumed me, you know, the first year, like after I filed for divorce because right. he was still abusive to me and he told me, oh, no one else is going to want to marry you and, when I felt for divorce, mm-hmm. he said, oh, you might as well just kill yourself because no one else is going right. to want you. And, you know, I, I, it's like I was so used to hearing that that I believed it. And then, you know, it's like I started, you know, this inner strength came out of me. And I really feel that, that Madeline was able to bring that out of me. Um, so then I was able to turn it into something positive. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know you're probably wondering why is God letting me go through this. But, see, <laughs> to me, I think we just, its like I said, it's all just a mission for us to have to go through something for us to mm-hmm. overcome something. See, he, he wasn't going to forsake you. That wasn't his plan. He wasn't going to forsake you. He wants you to get out of that situation. I know it's so confusing because I can't even really answer that question. Why would God even right. put a woman into that? No, I don't think no one can. We all just say it's the reason for everything, mm-hmm. and then that sounds kind of tacky because you're like, okay, well, what's the reason for me being in this situation? So I, I can't. If somebody can answer that, please do, but I know I can't. I don't mm-hmm. even want to put it down on the table like I'm psychic or I'm Jehovah Witness for God because I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you-, you know. When I when I released my book, people asked me. Well, I didn't release my book yet, but released the first chapter. People ask me if I regretted marrying him, and I said I always say no because I I truly believe that everything in my life has led up to the to having Marilyn. So if I changed even one thing in my life, I I might not have had her. And I mean my my life is fulfilled now that I have her. I don't need a I don't need a husband. I don't need a man. I don't need a man to complete me. If I want to get remarried, right. it's because, you know, he, he it's because I, I fell in love and want to have a relationship with him. But, I mean, my life with Madeline is completely fulfilled. I mean, she's everything. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I wanted to ask, too, how did your daughter mm-hmm. really help you? Because I know that's what you said for your tie of your yeah. book, how your daughter helped you to live. Yeah, you know. She, you know, she gave me the strength when she was a baby to, to, you know, that that mama bear came out protecting her cubs, and you know, I didn't know I had that in me, um, because actually I never even wanted kids. It's so funny because when I got pregnant, my friends were shocked because I grew up saying I wanted kids. So, you know, she helped me out, you know, every day when she when she gives me a hug or. You know, I tell her that I love her, and she looks back at me, and she does little nut brown hair. She goes, well, I love you this much. Play that game, you know, or just little things like, oh, I, you know, I love going swimming with you. or something. You know, it's just she helps me every day because I think about her, and I'm like, well, this, this is why I'm here is for her. And if she's happy and if she's having a great childhood, I mean, what else do I need, <laughs> you know? I mean, emotionally, what else do I need? So she teaches right. me to live again every day when I'm with her, every day. And that's the answer women have to start taking and standing up for themselves. You don't need mm-hmm. a man. 
to complete you. Right. We feel that we need that. We want that love and that nurturing, but really, seriously, do, do you really think that you need that? Yeah. I mean, you could do better yeah. by yourself. And when you look mm-hmm. at the situation, half the time you can see that, oh, I could do bad by my. I can do all bad by myself. They got the plays out, honey. They got the movies out. Watch them, please. There's so many movies out, especially the one of Diary of a Black Woman with Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. I love that one. I mean, because mm-hmm. he took her through the abuse, cheated on her. So you just have to. But see, you know what the problem is, too, Megan? A lot of women don't self-love themselves. They don't. Right. You got you to love yourself. We wait mm-hmm. on these men to do it for us. Tell us that you love us or you beautiful. Honey, I don't need you to tell me that. I can see that mm-hmm. in the mirror every day. What else? Yeah. What else is new? Yeah. Why? That's why exactly. I tell them what else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, my family and friends are like, oh, you know, they tried to hook me up with people at first, you know, try to put me on. And I'm just like, you know what? I just don't even care right now. I've got my daughter. I've got my book coming out. You know, I'm starting, you know, uh, mediation, you know, practice because I graduated from law school. I'm like, what am I going to do with a man right now? And then when you don't have a man, then, oh, she must don't like men. She must like women. No, it's exactly. just I don't have time like, for the no. foolishness. Don't nobody want, nobody have time for all that in their lives, all right. that negative. So what messages do you want me to take away from your book? Um, I definitely want them to take away you know, um, if, if they know of someone or maybe themselves, you know, have ever felt, you know, postpartum or anything, you know, that it's not to be ashamed to get treatment for it. And then, you know, in my book, I, I list some factors to actually look for when it comes to emotional abuse. And so I don't, you know, if someone picks up my book and they're going through that situation and they read it and they think, wow, I'm in this situation, maybe that will help them. To, to realize it because, like I said, you know, I was with him for six years and I never once thought I was in a domestic violent relationship. So that's that's really what I want to get across is that, you know, a lot of women are or men are in emotionally abusive relationships and they don't know it. And maybe, you know, mm-hmm. it takes my book or something like that for them to say, hey, I'm in this relationship. This sounds familiar. I need to get out of here. So if I could wow. if I could help, you know, one person, two people, three people, then then my message I, I it's a validation for me that I wrote my book. So <laughs> And I hope they take heed for the women who are actually going through this in their life to mm-hmm. go out and purchase this book because a lot of times you don't know that you're being abused and there are some signs but, that you will find in the book that Megan will definitely point out to you because one thing about it, when you're being abused He's going to rationalize with you. And we have seen in the movies, mm-hmm. and that is true in real life. He's going to rationalize. Well, I'll never hit you again. Uh, you should never hit me the first time, so I'm going to leave right, right now. I'm not going to wait till mm-hmm. you um, puncture me or keep me in the, uh, put me in the cemetery. So, no. Now, I know that we want the people to get your book, but give us mm-hmm. some of the signs to domestic abuse, um, Megan, because I know you mentioned one about yeah. where you argue over the dishes, but what are the other signs, too? Right. Um, you know, the other signs are just, you know, the, the, the sign to me was he never wanted to be or hang out with my friends. It, you know, if they were throwing a party or something, he never wanted to go. But if his friends were having something, oh, I better get dressed up and I better go with them and go with his friends and wherever they were at. 
So, you know, it's like the isolation kind of started there a little bit. Um, you know, there's things like, you know, he, he does get mad over the tiniest little things. You know, you ask him to wash the dishes and he blows up. I mean, throws things, yells at you. And you sit there like, all I did was ask you to do the dishes and this is how you're reacting to it. I mean, that that's another big sign of it. You know, and another one is, you know, he, he calls you names. And they don't have to be like straight out, you know, like bad, like obscenities or something. But, you know, just, just very subtly, you could say, like my, my ex-husband used to call me a joke all the time. And I used to think, what does that mean? But it's like, he said it so often that I'm like, maybe I am a joke. Maybe people look at me and they think I'm a joke. Like, I'm worthless. I don't know. And, and it's something, like, so small that started out so small. It's just, you know, he said it all the time. And, and to this day, I kind of wonder, what exactly did you mean by that? But so those are, you know, some, some definite, you know, three or four um, factors or, or, you know, issues that lead to emotional domestic violence. So, you know, if you're in that situation or know someone in that situation, um, you know, you definitely want to help them out or, or to seek help yourself. Right. And if anyone sees a woman getting abused, please don't be afraid to notify somebody of authorities about this. Regardless of they say, oh, he's never going to do it again. He loves me. No, honey, help her out. Cause she don't, she's out of her mind right now. She's talking out the side of her neck. Go ahead and get some authorities mm-hmm. up in there to get her out of that situation, if you can. And like I said, it took courage for you to write those private moments. This, this book is, mm-hmm. it's about how far a mother will actually go to protect child, and that's that's what makes you an encourageable woman. And I really do. I'm inspired by you. Thank you. Oh, you're so thank you very so much. Welcome. <laughs> but what we're going to do, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to be back with Megan. So please, do not touch that dial. We'll be right back after this. There's only one station that will keep you happy. Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times, when we were more active and ate more healthy foods, and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave. But unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Yeah, you, it's me, your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa, what happened to us? We used to be so much more active. 
but lately you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep kicking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check change control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. We're back on the air on the Bright Side with Technician. We're here with Megan Salisky, and she is the author of a great book, Who Am I? And how her daughter actually taught her how to live better, you know, getting you out of that domestic abuse that a lot of us women do not know about. And the first steps that you could take, some of the signs that you need to know. So, Megan, given that you gave us all the signs and some and the message that you want people to actually get out of this, mm-hmm. um, I would like to know what doubts did you have after you finished writing? Who Who am I? Oh, oh goodness! The biggest doubt I think was uh, what was my ex husband gonna think <laughs> when? Uh, it came out, and of course, you know, I had to think about the legal ramifications, like, you know, can he come back and sue me if I wrote this, and uh, I made sure I protected myself that way by changing the name and, um, you know, making sure there was no way to identify him, but, yeah, you know, I really thought, um, what is he going to do, and it's really funny, because a friend of mine, actually, she said to me, because I told her, you know, I got this contract from Black Oval Books. I really want to sign it, but I'm really scared. And she said to me, Megan, if you're scared, then you're still letting him control you. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. And so I signed the contract and started my website, I think, like two days later, and here we are. (laughs) Right. Here we are, and here you are doing Mm -hmm. it, doing it all. What would you say has made you a strong woman? Um. You know, I think it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. I, I think it, you know, being able to stand up and actually get out of the marriage made me strong. Um, I, you know, I was the one that filed for divorce, and he has never forgiven me for that because um, he thought I was never going to leave him. And mm-hmm. from that point on, you know, it's like I just kept getting stronger and stronger because I thought, okay, well, I was the one that took a step forward. I filed for divorce. Um, and, you know, it's like, you know, every time I had to meet him in court for some stupid little thing, because he brought me to court all the time for stupid things, you know, I had a great attorney who gave me the strength to stand up to him, you know, my parents gave me the strength, I had a great, you know, support team with me and my family, my friends, and, um, you know, it finally got to the point where, you know, I can honestly say, you know, if I had to meet him at court tomorrow for something, I could go by myself because I always had someone go with me. No, I'm not really afraid to to see him anymore. I'm not scared. You know, bring it on. Let's see what you got. Because, <laughs> you know, it's I'm not under his control anymore. I'm not under his thumb. And he doesn't like that, but that's what gives me strength is knowing that he, he doesn't like that. <laughs> right. 
And they don't think mm-hmm. that you'll actually get up and leave. See, that's what he probably was happy about. Oh, she won't never leave. Well, you underestimated that power in her, baby. Oh, she took oh, them baby yeah. stuff and she got the heck on. He didn't care about it. Mm-hmm. He didn't care about your feelings. And then from the point yeah. of the view of it all, everything was always about him. You trying to support him, but you instead of taking me down left and right, you you calling me names, you beating on me. I no one needs that. And to mm-hmm. me, when you abu- when you abuse a man, you really don't like women. Obviously, it's a situation that he probably had with his mother, and he never told you. They'll act like they love their mother, but inside they be hating their mother so bad in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. uh, his mom and him, they don't talk. And, I mean, he tried yeah. for years, and she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, and I don't blame her, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it's, it's that's when it can touch this relationship from the beginning. I mm-hmm. didn't really know the background of it, but until, like, after I filed for divorce and I realized why she doesn't want to see him. But, um, you know, yeah, he hates women. He, You're you're absolutely right. That means you're absolutely right because these men hate women. They don't have the capacity in them to love women. They hate them. Why? And it's a weird thing to think about, but it's totally true. Right. And, see, that's what the abusive man does. See, you're looking for the love part. You're looking for somebody test your potentials to be a good partner and here he's looking for so much as serving as a slave and the mm-hmm. more closer you get to him the more he's expressing his hatred for a woman and that's that's how they work they work off they work off our emotions ladies please whoever's out there being better please i hope you listen to the show get out of that situation now oh mm-hmm. please before it be too late don't let it be your death yeah. on your on your deathbed that and then that's then it's too late for that because you're gone now. You know, every time I right. think about the movie, what love got to do with it when she got on the drugs, and then he gonna tell her, "Tell if you die, I'ma kill you." And I'm like, well, if she <laughs> dies, she's already dead. So right. I don't know how you are gonna kill her unless you wanna um, reincarnate her and then kill her again. So I, <laughs> yeah. But now you do a blog. Is the blog on the same path <laughs> as the book? Um, you know, I when I started my blog, that was my intention. I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna write about some of these things, and then I put in like little funny antidotes about Madeline sometimes because she is pretty funny. And then I was like, you know what? I don't really know if I'm that interesting, so I wanted to kind of reach a broader audience with my blog. So what I really love to do, I, I have a series on my blog I call Authors Supporting Authors, and I interview. Um, just other authors. You know, I, I open up my website and, you know, anyone that contacts me that wants to be interviewed and, you know, reach a broader audience, you know, I've never turned anyone away. And I think since I started that series at the end of December, beginning of January, I've, I've interviewed over 120 authors. And I love it because I get to meet a bunch of independent, you know, authors who write fantastic books and I get to read the books. And, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to get to meet you know, all these new authors out there. Um, and and wow. that's, that's really kind of what my blog has gone towards. But there is sometimes, you know, I'll insert like a funny story or maybe, you know, a serious story or something. So it's a mix kind of. <laughs> and see, that's a good thing because, see, then you learn from them the mistakes they may have made as a writer. So everybody's feeding off yeah. one another. So that's a good thing that you do have the blog out. Now, what other yeah. works do you have? What other um, books are you working on at the moment to publish? 
I am actually working on my first um, book of fiction. It's a it's a crime okay. fiction book. Yeah, oh, that uh, you know. Well, here's the thing. Everyone laughs when I say this, but so in law school, you know, everyone around me is taking notes during class. Well, I'm sitting there taking notes about all the nuances and loopholes in the law because I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. this would make a really good book. <laughs> so after you know law school, when I wrote this book, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try to write, you know, my first crime fiction book and pulled out my old notebook and, and looked through it. And uh, I've got a really juicy plot going on right now. So I'm hoping that will come out next year sometime. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be waiting on that. I'm already seeing to get yeah. this book. So I'm going to definitely be waiting on that because mm-hmm. I noticed a lot of lawyers, they go into writing, and that's yeah. that's really amazing. Um, so mm-hmm. what really – Besides just writing this memoir, what actually got you into wanting to write? Um, I went to, you know, undergraduate college at Grand Valley State University here in Michigan, and I and I majored in journalism. Because oh, me too. That's what I, yeah, oh, see, there we go. So that's what I thought I wanted to do. And then when I graduated and I moved back home, I was like, hmm, do I want a career in journalism or do I want to get out of my parents' house because <laughs> I was 21, yeah. you know, just lived on my own. So I actually just took kind of like the first job that came in was a nonprofit. It was at United Way, and I ended up working in nonprofit for like eight years. And I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't what I really wanted to do. And I kind of I got away from the writing, obviously. And then I went back to law school, and I kind of fell in love with writing again in my legal research classes. And um, you know, and then all of this happened, and and that's like I said, how the how the book started. But I've always loved to write, and I I don't know what I would have done if I ended up down the journalism path. Apparently, I just wanted to get out of my parents' house. No offense to gotcha. you, but I was saying to that. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do understand that. I was keen to want to get out of my mother's house. I wish I probably hadn't rushed too far, because then I ended up getting in situation with other females that I stayed with and that wasn't the way I was raised and I was like no mm-hmm. even though they didn't influence me badly but yeah and I didn't end up I didn't end up picking basically I didn't end up picking up the traits that they want me to pick up they mm-hmm. tried to okay. so they were they were twins and see I lost my father when I was seven so my mother mm-hmm. knew their mother and and I was you know, when you're young, you do things. I had a boyfriend thinking I knew everything. I ended up going right. with another guy. So he was like, bump that. You're not going to be going me. And we stayed in an apartment. So I lost the apartment, stayed with the girls. And things mm-hmm. were not the way I was raised to see them. Make. I was like, oh, no, I should have stayed with yeah. my mother. I'm not used to this lifestyle that you're doing. My mother cooked for me, and she does things for me, even though I was 21. I was like, no. But, you know, yeah. I overcame it, met my husband. And just this mm-hmm. year, I saw them same twins. And guess, and the funny really? thing about it, Megan, I got a set of twin girls. They're eight years of age. I was oh, like, maybe that's probably why I had funny. twins. So yeah. I saw them, and they and they doing terrible. They are. They doing oh, very bad. Well, I didn't, and I didn't well. go to make. I didn't go to make poke fun of them because that's not what you do. Right. You don't go make poke fun. But right. I wanted to go see them. Because what happened was, Meg, I ran into one of their sons at the library, and he was like, oh, I stay such, such. I'm like, wow, you stay right in, in the neighborhood with me. So I said, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I just had to go see for myself to see how they were doing, and they were not mm-hmm. doing as well as they wanted to do. 
Well, and, and it and and it just mm-hmm. made me thought. It made me think about that when you said that how you wanted to get your parents' house. And I was like, I wish I had left right. my mother so soon because I was mm-hmm. I was I was sort of the naive kind. I didn't know about the street game or nothing. Still kind of that way. My right. husband, I'm more book sense, and my husband's more street sense. <laughs> Yeah. So, and that's what my mother used to always get on me was, you need common sense. And I'm like, well, you better let me leave the porch. So I don't know how I'm going to gain right. too much common sense. You don't, you never let me do anything because that's how she was. She was very firm and strict. You couldn't leave the porch mm-hmm. while her looking out the blinds. So I was like, I don't know how I'm going to ever learn anything. You don't never let me experiment. So. <laughs> Right, right. No, I was completely naive in high school. I, I you know, right. I, I look at high school now and I'm like, did people drink when I was in high school? Did they have parties? I mean, I was so naive. I was like, I'm going to focus on my dance and my softball while apparently right. people were drinking and smoking. And I'm, I'm like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> so I was very naive. <laughs> right. I know I was. So doing this as I grow older, I feel that God has this mission for me. That's why I'm doing this show. I went into mm-hmm. journalism myself, still trying to, every now and then I get my little email post trying to see who's offering the job because I, if I can't get a job yeah. as a news reporter, I at least want to try maybe as a production assistant, work my way up. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if not, I said I'll continue this show. This is my inspiration. I was doing that when I was at Clayton State University, so I'm going to keep doing mm-hmm. I'm going to keep continuing on to do this show so that that gives me hope yeah. Yeah. good good yeah that's good <laughs> now also i i do like that the fact that you're volunteering in the around the detroit area with the organization called yeah. troy, troy youth assistance tell us what it is yeah. you do within the organization um you know i i i started volunteering for them last summer and i just wanted to you know volunteer because i I love working with the youth when i was uh in college every summer i worked at the boys and girls club here in troy and i loved it i absolutely loved it so i wanted to kind of get back into that um i had a reputation that preceded me because my dad is heavily involved in almost every organization in troy so i i went to Troy youth assistance because it, I think it was the one organization my dad was not involved in, and you know, was working with youth. And um, before I knew it, you know, the you know, Robin, the the president, was asking me if I wanted, you know, to be the fundraising chair on the board of directors. So, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, I've done fundraising, okay. And um, I've just kind of been off and running with that. We have our our first 5K actually planned for this September, and it's it's really awesome because it's a run it's a run walk. Well, we also have a kids' run, and every kid who participates under the age of 12, they get a medal. And, you know, their parents get to put the medal over, you know, over their heads, around their neck when they cross the finish line of the kids' run. So this is a really fun, you know, way to raise money, but to, you know, bring the community together and to bring families together. And, you know, I'm so lucky that I work with such a great uh, group of volunteers. I've never met people so dedicated to um, – you know, an organization, so very. I'm very lucky to work with them. Right, and I'm glad because everyone's there feeding off, like I said, like you do your blog, you're feeding off one another in the organization. Everybody's there to help. Nobody's judging anyone, so that's good. That's the loving part I like about volunteering and being around people who love to do it mm-hmm. as well. Now, yeah. What, when when you were writing your memoir, what was the writing process like? Was it very hard to just start writing it, 
or did it just all come out and flow? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the first three chapters were kind of hard to write because I had to go back to like when we first met, and that was kind of hard to remember. <clears throat> excuse me, I have something in my throat. Um. But when I filed for divorce, my divorce attorney actually told me to keep a log of everything okay. that was going on. So, you know, my and people, a couple of people that I've given, you know, advanced review copies to have come back and said, how did you remember all this? I'm like, well, I, I didn't remember word for word, but it was written down in that log, you know, since February of 2011. So that's why the, the book is so, like, I feel like when you read it, you almost feel like you're there because yes. you know I, I, the conversations are word for word. That's exactly what happened because my dad and I kept such a detailed log. So, you know, emotionally wise, when I read it, there were definitely times I had to walk away from the computer, and because I didn't want to go back to those times, um, and that was definitely hard. And I'm glad you know that my publisher kind of gave me a deadline, so I knew like I had to finish by this time or I might not have finished it at all because it was very difficult at times. But, you know, it's I, I wrote it and it's out. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, it will help, like I said, other people in the same situation that I was in for so long. So, Right. And with, um, with this memoir, what sets your story apart from other real-life stories? Um, you know, I think it's because so much happened at one time. It was like <clears throat> divorce, child custody, law school, postpartum, anxiety disorder. I mean, there's so much going on in just like a three-year time period that I, I honestly look back and I'm like, I don't even know how I got through that. I really don't. Um, and I actually, I was so strong, I thought, until... You know, it, it, and you know, you talked about God testing you earlier, right. and I really thought during that time I was like, God, why are you testing me so much? Because it felt like there were just roadblocks all the time, like with my ex or something going on. And nobody actually knows this, so I'm actually going to say this on your show, and, and a lot of people don't know this about me, even my friends. But um, my last semester of law school, you know, I I um, had all my graduation announcements ready and you know, was ready to walk, and I actually failed a class, and I couldn't walk, and yeah, and I really, like, I almost fell apart at that time, and I thought, that's it, I'm done, like, I can't do this anymore, I'm like, God, why are you doing this to me, you know, and I thought, okay, you know what, I've been through the hardest part, it's like, I've never failed a class in law school, it just happened to have my last semester, so I just have to put graduation off a semester, and you know, it's hopefully that is the last time that God will really test me that way because that was that was a tough pill to swallow. But um, you know, I got through it, and um, you know, I I am where I am. I believe you know everything happens for a reason, and and like you said earlier, God puts us on this planet for a reason, and and uh, my reason I guess was to have Madeline and, and to write the book. Right, because. Because in my heart, I don't think God, he doesn't want you to remain in that abusive um, marriage or that relationship. Right. And, you know, he came for the purpose of healing the brokenhearted, delivering captives, and liberating those who are abused. 
um, but you made me think about Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are abused, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So that's why I think his mission was to just let you hold on a little longer. If you can hold on for me, Megan, mm-hmm. you're going to yeah. be delivered from all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I hope so. You know, it's it's a... Uh... It's really funny how, how things work because before, you know, when I got married, I, I you know, I, I grew up Catholic, and so I was very, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was very religious, but, you know, it's, religion mm-hmm. was important to me, and I, I got away from that during college. And actually, while I was going through the divorce, I went back, I started going back to church. You know, I had Madeline baptized, and I really felt a lot of healing in church, and I just, it was, it was I think, the one place during that first year that I just felt the sense of calm every time I was there. So I kind of knew I was like, okay, so God is helping me get through this and um, providing <clears throat> providing me a place to go so I can, you know, heal and, and have a safe place. And, uh, yeah, you know, I like I said before, everything happens for a reason and, and um, right. you just have to find out sometimes what that reason is. <laughs> it sure does. And the main thing, even though you were going through all that, see, God knows how hard it is. You were humble. You maintained the humble spirit. And that's one thing we have to remember. Mm-hmm. We got to remember that God loves us all equally. And, yeah, he did put you in that. But we got to appreciate God's process because sometimes we don't learn things until we're actually in a, circum- in a certain stance. And I know that sounds weird for a lot of women out here. Oh, well, I don't want to get beat up. No, it's not that. God's going to take you through that mm-hmm. process. He got to expose you to that certain things in order for you to know mm-hmm. that he is real in order for you to get out of that. And once you come out mm-hmm. of it, don't you go back. Don't you go back. Right. The Lord can't change you. And hopefully one day I hope mm-hmm. that God who did that to you too, Megan, that he be changed mm-hmm. as well. If he haven't, I hope God overcome his heart and make him be a changed man. Yeah. But, Megan, tell us where so. we can. Me too. Tell us where we can go and get mm-hmm. your um book when it does come out. Um, you know, if you follow my website, it's www.meganciruleswski.com. Um, I will have the links on there when they're ready, you know, the buy links from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And um, it's going to be out in paperback and ebook. Um, and I think actually my publisher is going to have it on their website too. So just keep checking my website from now until August 2nd because they might even do a pre-release you know, date, so, um, but, but August 2nd is the release date, and you can, you know, keep checking my website, and uh, after August 2nd, you'll be able to find it on all, you know, major, major, you know, websites that sell books, our bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, places like that. Well, please do go check out her book, Megan Solinsky. Her book is coming out on August 2nd, Who Am I?, Please go get it. And, Megan, I'm glad that you joined us today. I love our conversation. The, I'm Me thankful too. that you did not stray to the drugs. I am. I'm glad you mm-hmm. fought hard. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I loved being on today. I loved our conversation, too. So much. And you and your family, you have a blessed one. Thank you. Thank you. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye. But people out there, please do. Go out there and check out Megan's book. It's 
It's going to be an awesome book to come. And for you women who are going through the ups and downs, I'm telling you, God has not forsaken you yet. We think that God has done that, but he hasn't. I know, like I said, it sounds so weird sometimes. We we always got the question, but trust and believe me, what I always told you to do, give God the keys and let him drive, and that's what he's actually doing for you. He's going to drive that car, and he's going to take you to a safe haven. But before we get off the air, for all you women out there who are going through it, let me tell you, you don't need a man like Megan said. And here to tell you all about it is the Pussycat Dogs. I don't need a man.
Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.